You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, a couple of other things unrelated to the offense. Because I was more annoyed about this than clearly everyone else on Twitter, which I understand. And that's deciding how far to push Jacob DeGrom. If you look at the middle game of this series, Jacob DeGrom had, you know, sort of an odd performance, or maybe it's been a typical performance of what we've seen this year, where there are times in which he looks unhittable and he looks dominant. He makes one bad pitch and the ball's at 500 feet and has really one or two bad innings. And outside of that, goes out and dominates. And that's exactly what happened in game two of this series. He gives up a bomb to Ian Happ. He runs into, I don't want to say it's bad luck, but just a really unfortunate fourth inning that included a miscall on the throw to first base in which the guy was clearly out of the base path. Uh, the unfortunate situation of a safety squeeze working and Pete Alonso deciding to throw home, which I guess he had to do because DeGrom wasn't covering. And an inning in which there was enough contact made that the Cubs were able to score a few runs. If Jacob DeGrom is striking out Jan Gomes instead of Jan Gomes hitting the ball to right field, the Cubs score less runs. Turned out not to matter because the Mets can't score runs. But the bottom line was Jacob DeGrom in a bad fourth and then dominates the fifth and dominates the sixth. And it's a close game. It's 3 nothing. Now We're still kind of holding out hope the Met offense is going to wake up. And Jacob DeGrom is at 96 pitches, and the bottom of the order is coming up. And I got to tell you, I was pissed off he was taken out of the game. And I tweeted instantly, who are you mad at for this? Jake, Buck, or nobody was the right decision. And I couldn't believe that 65% of people said it was the right decision. It was the Hold on a second. I understand the Mets' struggles are all about their offense. We have spent the entire podcast so far talking about their offense. I am not a moron to know that when I'm tweeting about DeGrom being pulled, they're losing 3 nothing, Jack, Jackass. They're not scoring. I know they're not scoring runs. Like, I know that. We all know that. There can be two issues. You can discuss both of them at the same time. One is not mutually exclusive. So, yes, the Mets offense sucks, but yeah... I need my ace going more than six innings. I'm sorry. And the question I'd have would be, first of all, is Jake saying a buck I'm done? If that's the case, my old partner, my Saturday partner, Joe B's going to kill DeGrom. Why are you done, bro? You're a diva. If he's not done and it's Buck being careful with him, well, my question for Buck would be, when do you not be as careful? I mean, this is an important game. We don't necessarily know the Mets are not going to score a run until Lindor or Alonzo, I should say. It's a meaningless home run. We don't know that. The Mets could rally. The hell do we know? So I don't understand 
how 60% of the people on Twitter, when I did a little snap poll in the middle of the game, I thought that was creative, a little polling during the game. I can't understand how 60% of people said it's the right decision. It is. He just retired the last eight guys he faced. He struck out half of them. He's at 96 pitches. The bottom of the order is coming up who couldn't touch him. And you think it's the quote right decision? Who are my Twitter followers? Like, who are these people? If your point and your anger is, it doesn't matter, it's about the offense, then don't vote in the poll. Because that's not what I'm asking. I didn't ask, hey, does the offense suck? Of course the offense sucks. I know that. It's really making me never want to do a poll again because it bothered me that the results were that crazy. Yeah, but you keep on putting polls at, like after every instance or every Who, after me? every game or whatever, and it's always negative. It's never good. Yeah, you keep on putting polls up, and they're never like, are they what you expect? Every time no, you no, put no, it no. in a poll, is if it like, what you I expect, did two or is it always the opposite? About, are you confident they're going to win the division? One was after they dropped out of first place last weekend. The other one was more recent. Yeah, I'm expecting neg- negativity, but this isn't about positive or negative. If anything, this is positive. If you're saying they made the right decision taking <laughs> no. the ground out after six innings, you're defending the Mets. That's a positive opinion, and I don't get it. He threw right. 90. And for anyone listening saying, why are you making a big deal of this? They didn't score any runs. I'll tell you why I'm making a big deal of it. When does it end? When they're playing on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Pirates, would your opinion be different if it was 1-1? Seriously, would your opinion be different if it was 2-0? Like, would your opinion be different based on the score? Because if your view is, well, they weren't scoring anyway, then why watch the game and give up on the game? And why is Lugo and Adovino and Diaz in the game? Buck, to his credit, and I give him credit for this, managed to keep the game close, Right? which we've been critical of. Edwin Diaz came into the game in the ninth inning of a game in which they were down 4 nothing. Now, a part of it is he wants to get these guys work. I totally get it. But as we talked about last week, the other part was, hey, why not keep it close? Give your offense a chance to come back. So if your attitude is, well, they're already down 3 nothing. who cares? Then I don't know what to tell you. Stop watching the games then. I, mean, I, I don't know. You've got your effing ace on the mound. At some point, you have to let him pitch, Pete. Well, it, well, well. Here's the thing: is and and this is a bigger picture situation because in the playoffs, game three, game four, game five, whatever game Degrom is on the mound for, and they're in the scenario. It's the seventh inning. Are they going to? They're down three. Say if they're in that position where they're down three, nothing. Hoff, are they I don't going know. To the right there, or you're gonna, that's, that's where you start trying to push them. I'm not saying that the other night's a playoff game. I think we're starting to move closer and closer to these games being playoff games. But I, no, I get it. Like I think it's, it's two and a half weeks away. Or three wonder, weeks away, whatever it is. When are you gonna push them? Then <laughs> when are you gonna push them? And, and the reason I I worded it as "Do you blame Jake?" is I know Beningo thinks it's Jake. He thinks Jake takes himself out of games. And I can't tell you one way or the other because Buck doesn't always tell us the truth. The only thing Jake said that was honest was one time he said, I don't like to start an inning if I can't finish it. 
which I disagree with. I mean, I don't give a crap what you want. If the Mets need to get two extra outs just because you can't get the third, you can help the team by getting those two extra outs. But did Jacob DeGrom after the sixth inning say, you know what, I'm done? Because if that's the case, my criticism doesn't go to Buck Showalter. Uh, If your pitcher is telling you he's done, you're going to take him out. Then the criticism would go to Jake saying, come on, man. You can't throw more than 96 pitches. Like Jacob DeGrom has now made eight starts since coming off the injured list. They have done everything they can in giving him extra rest, which they even did this week with Bassett on normal rest and DeGrom getting an extra day. This Sunday, he's on regular rest, which would make him less likely to be pushed. So I'm just wondering, when does the push occur? Does it happen on Sunday against the Pirates? Does it happen next weekend against the Oakland A's? Or maybe it's the Braves. But Hoff, to your point, do you really want to push him for the first time in the postseason? Wouldn't you want to push him in the regular season first so he's used to throwing 105 or 110 pitches? Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. I think that it's more important to try to push him now, but th- is there a concern that if – I mean, it, this is the fr- fragility, the frailness, I guess you say, of Jacob DeGrom. He was out for over a year with an injury that – not saying that it wasn't severe, but we just questioned, like, is this – is it as bad? Like, why can't he get back on, on the mound? Why can't he start warm-ups? Why can't he do this? And is it something that it's a – internal thing with Jake that he just can't push himself. I don't know. And if he does, he's worried about getting hurt. And that is something that's that's a real that's a real freaking thing which sucks because then you then you have then you're in a situation where that's the thing. I, I, I don't know if that that's moment. the case. The, I mean, it could very well be saying I'm being extra protective. The guy missed virtually a year. It's only his eighth start back. I'll push him but not yet. And if that's the answer, okay, well when do you push him? So Look, I know that's not why they lost the game. I don't need to be told that. You don't need to be told that. They lost every game in this series because they couldn't score. Every single one of them. I'm sorry. The Bassett game, the Peterson game, the middle game with Jake. They lost because they couldn't score. You can't expect to win one nothing. And when you're facing these arms, you need to hit. And they didn't hit. But it's certainly a fair question because Jake Scott, like I said, Pittsburgh, Oakland, Atlanta. Think about that. That's it. That's three starts. There could potentially be a fourth, depending on the way this regular season plays out. And if you need it, 
And I do think that's going to be very, very interesting if it comes down to that. If all of a sudden the regular season comes down a game 162, how hard do you push it? Like I heard on the broadcast in the finale of the series, the discussion of how hard do you try to win the division? Well, the answer is really hard. That's the answer. The answer right now is you go balls to the wall. You try to win the division. You're not going to play injured guys, obviously. Marte's got to recover. But in terms of the way you manage, you're trying to win it. Where it gets complicated, I admit this, is game 160 through 162. Because now all of a sudden, you're days away from a potential wild card series. Like, obviously, can you throw Max Scherzer in game 161 or 162 to try to win the division and then not have him for the wild card series? That seems to me careless. Like, I, I, I wouldn't do that. The only way I would do something like that is if I control my future. So I'll give you an example. And you tell me if you agree with me or not. Because you could say, no, that's too risky. Game 162. Mets and Braves are tied. First place, they're tied. Mets have the tiebreaker. It's DeGrom's day to pitch. Do you pitch Jacob DeGrom? If he wins, doesn't matter what the Braves do. You win the division. He'll be fine for the divisional series because you've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. He's on regular rest. Fine, no big deal. It's perfect. But if he loses and the Braves win... You're done. You start the playoffs in two days. Jake's not available for game one. Wouldn't be available for game two. And Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday would have to be three days rest. That's a risky proposition, right? It's risky, but we've talked about this too. Now, I know it's not the same scenario because it's not the final game of your potential season. But we've talked about this too with the the Zach Britton effect. But you're not going out. You have to go out with your best pitcher. That's the caveat. No, you're not. Like, if the season's on the line, (laughs) sure. But you're basically saying it's it's a gamble. It's a very, very risky gamble. You're saying, I'm pitching my best. If I don't win, I may not have him to pitch in the postseason. Because now I'm in the wild card series and he's not available. I think most people listening would say, I'm not pitching him. (laughs) I'm just, you know what? I'll try to win the division with Carlos Carrasco. And if I don't, okay. No, dude, I'm I'm not tr- I'm not trying to win with Carl. I, I'm okay, just gonna go out and, and win the division. Understand? And Jacob Degrom's gonna win you the division. Understand that, that, this, and, and I'll paint this scenario: whether it's Degrom or Scherzer, there's then a possibility that Max Scherzer or Jacob Degrom never pitches a postseason game in 2022. That's a scenario you can't live with. Not true. If you can, and again, this might not be ideal. Well, yeah, look, I mean, obviously. Potentially get him an inning or two. But you also may lose two straight games. Are you pitching him on two days rest? You think Jacob DeGrom's pitching on two days rest when he can't even throw more than 96 pitches with a regular rest or with an extra day of rest? (laughs) So, Max Scherzer. It's actually a weirdly (laughs) fun hypothetical. At this point, believe it or not, I would sign up for it. I mean, get me to that final series against the Nationals with destiny in our hands. I'd sign for that because it's really tough to be that confident now. It really is. I, I have remained confident throughout this season, whether it's on Rico Bronier, whether it's with Craig. Craig asked me on the air last week, are they going to win the division? I was like, yes. He asks me that on Thursday, Friday. I don't know what my answer is because right now it's shaken. And I think for all of us, 
Why wouldn't it be shaken based on how bad things have been recently? They have had multiple three-game losing streaks in September. They barely had any three-game losing streaks all year. So the New York Mets are playing their worst baseball in September in a pennant race against the worst teams in baseball. Because let's not forget, right before this stretch began, they won two out of three against the Dodgers. And we all felt so good about ourselves, even though they weren't hitting. Like, they were struggling a little bit. They won two out of three against L.A., and they won three out of four against Colorado. And I think we all felt pretty damn good that despite the lack of offense, eh, look, we're winning anyway. Well, that's gone out the window. Five and seven against the Nationals, the Pirates, the Marlins, and the Cubs. They've got four with Pittsburgh. They've got three with Milwaukee. They've got three with Oakland. They have a weird week the following week where they have an off day Monday, play Tuesday, Wednesday, off day Thursday, and then the showdown with the Braves. So I leave you with this question. And I've asked this numerous times, but I'm going to ask it again based on the way this team is playing. Would you sign up right now? Mets Braves in Atlanta. Two weeks would you sign up for being tied for first place going into that series? Uh, I prefer to have a lead. <laughs> I would prefer yeah, to have I mean, a the, game the lead. The thing about yes, a game would lead it. that's so it. much different than being tied is that if you have a game lead, all you've got to do is win one game in Atlanta. You leave Atlanta tied with the tiebreaker. So you put yourself in a spot where all you got to do is win once and you control everything coming home to face the Nationals. If you're tied for first place, you got to win the series. Because if you lose two out of three, while you may have the tiebreaker, you're a game back. And now you're asking for help from, I think the Marlins closed the season out against the Braves. So you do put yourself in a position where you need to win the series. But I don't know. Right, this is uh, this is trouble times, bro. I don't know what to think. Have- I I I don't want help from anybody. I know that's like like oh you know you need help sometimes. You no no no. The Mets have to do it themselves. This is this is their season. They they put themselves in a good spot to take this division. They got to go out and win it. They can't rely on anyone else. Like you know we talk about this this easy stretch. We talked about eleven and five. We're talking about. I, I said jokingly said thirteen and three. I was kind of half serious. Eleven and five was what we kind of predicted. They should take this this stretch. It's it's an embarrassment, and they have to do it themselves. Because otherwise, it, I'm, I, no, I don't know how they're going to perform in the playoffs. They they need to turn it around. Don't but if this. I told you, don't if I this. told you in the beginning My of least March, favorite thing in all of sports is. <laughs> but if I would have told you six months ago, you'd be uh, eighty nine and fifty four. Wouldn't you be happy? Well, guess what? Things change. All right, expectations change. The game has changed. Uh, we'll have another Rico Bronya after the Pirates series. God knows what kind of mood we'll be in. I would definitely say this was our most negative Rico Bronya, but you would expect that. They just got broomed by the Chicago Cubs. The hell did you want, a party? Uh, you can listen to me and Craig where he'll probably be torturing me at 2 o'clock on the fan, trying to pick at me and enjoy the tears that I'm going through. And I'm sure Hoffa will deal with the same thing on the midday show. Yankee fans like to drink our tears. 
But that's really Pete's fault because Pete was the one drinking the Yankee fans' tears. So you're getting your comeuppance. I haven't drank anybody's tears, and yet I'll just get poked because I'm Mr. Matt. And that's fine. Whatever. So Rico Brown, you're following the Pirate Series. Hoff with Tiki and Tierney, 10 a.m. on the fan. Me and Craig, 2 o'clock on the fan. Everybody, try to relax. <laughs> Can't even say that with a straight face. Don't relax, okay? It's Panic City! We've arrived! Thanks for listening to Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>